0: Shane Willis, we're two games in, and I think that we have some answers to some questions.
1: Some answers. Will we win? Yes, we will twice.
0: What's better than one and zero? Two and zero. That's where the Carolina Hurricanes sit. As we bring you episode one ninety two of the Canes Cast, presented by Storm Brew from R and D Brewing, of course. As you know by now, it is a crispy, light, refreshing lager. That we have given you many ideas of how to, to if you want to consume that.
1: Well, in the weather this week, I mean, it's perfect. If you it. weren't enjoying a cold storm brew during this weather, maybe at the fair. Not sure if they have it at the fair. I haven't I been yet. Not.
0: not sure if I will attend, but if I'm there. I'm I'm going on the road, so I'm going to miss it's a portion bad. of that. Yeah, oh. You're going to have to go get the elephant ear for me. I'll send pictures. Okay, that works for me. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if I'll do the deep fried butter. But if I did, I would wash it down with a yeah. cool storm brew. It was it's just 97 calories and 2.4 carbs. I mean, why try and battle over a selection of red wine when you can just crush a storm brew? Exactly. Goes with anything. Goes with your golf game, which I heard you might have needed the other day.
1: Yeah, it was bad.
0: Not as bad as mine. Just remember that. <laughs> true. Your worst is my best. Also True. <laughs> Thank it you. was bad though. Yeah. Yeah. For you, for everyday golfer,
1: it's like this time of the year though. Like when it the weather cools off, although it's been beautiful. It my body just tells myself you shouldn't be playing golf. It's hockey you be season, playing hockey exactly. So you go that that when I start taking slap shots off the tee, it goes way right,
0: and then you got to scramble. That switch never turns off. Mm-hmm. You have conditioned yourself to be that kind of machine. Instinct. Exactly. When you're a fine tuned machine that is Shane Willis who gets up before 6 a.m. to work out still fine might be a stretch at this age okay (laughs) Uh, you're Lightning McQueen and I'm uh, whatever the Larry the Cable Guy car was (laughs) the tow truck exactly (laughs) Uh, so we'll just get that out of the way but uh, something that has to get out of the way we knew it was going to happen at some point in time this year and it will happen early and that is Jesperi Kanyemi and the Carolina Hurricanes We'll pay a visit north of the border to La Belle Provence, that is Quebec, where the Montreal Canadiens live. And we've already made it through as of recording this fine podcast on a Tuesday. We've already made it through the first media session for Cote Kotkaniemi with everyone on Zoom. Why is that such a hot topic? Well, of course, the offer sheet and the fact that he's making $6 million this year, which is what was the offer sheet to get him out of Montreal again The Canes, I will state this all year long when people talk about it. The Canes used the offer sheet correctly. You forced the other team to make the tough decision. And you put yourself in a position that you're comfortable with because you want that player. But now the question is the emotions, the feelings, how it goes down, what are you expecting Thursday night when Kokiniemi takes the ice? Let's go with the player first before we talk about the team as a whole. Well... I think there's going to be a lot of emotion
1: and nerves in the young man going back into Montreal just because of the situation. He knows the magnitude of what happened and how the media will be in Montreal during that day. Um, the media around morning skate and everything that's going to be in the newspapers, it will be all, yes, Perry, Kokoniemi for two to three days in Montreal. Probably starting today after practice. This questions may have answered. Montreal plays tonight, which yeah. is Tuesday, as you mentioned. So maybe not today, but tomorrow, Wednesday. I don't think they'll even care if Montreal wins tonight. It will be all about Jesperi coming to town and the offer sheet that was dealt by the Carolina Hurricanes to get him into their roster.
0: Well, again, I'm going to ask the 3,000-foot the question, and then we can get a little bit more narrow. If you're Kotkaniemi, you've done this, Shane you've gone into a building and played against your former team and and players you know, it can't be easy. Uh, You can say it's a game or you can go, it's a business, however you want to say it, but what is that feeling like, especially when a player in this situation leaves the team? It's not like he got traded. I think traded, there's always that I'll show you, but if you sign a contract as a free agent, I'm sure that there's guys who are in Montreal like, well, we'll show him, So I, I don't know what his feelings are. He is in the few, very few dealings I've had with him. He seems like a, an extremely happy person. Like, you know, I haven't met too many sullen fins out there. They're usually you know pretty happy-go-lucky. He seems like a guy who, you know, enjoys life. This isn't going to bother him, but when you get on that stage, you know it's going to be different.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you, the smile on his face, to be here in in North Carolina. But that's kind of where, after two games for the Carolina Hurricanes, I hope this type of game and this type of media speculation and everything that surrounds it, I hope it ignites a little bit more of a fire in this young man. Yeah, Because he's here, the Hurricanes need him to produce. And I think if I was Jesperi going into this game, my entire mindset – would be to, as you mentioned, drive a point home saying, this is why you should have kept me here in Montreal. I was only here as a young rookie player through my first contract, and it wasn't handled correctly. And this is why the Carolina Hurricanes wanted me. And the Hurricanes need to see that, but I think he wants to prove that to the Montreal Canadiens and all their fans as well, because it will be
0: a very hostile environment for that young man in the Bell Center. All right, so we have a, a lot of questions about this, and we will get to the, the listener questions, but we might as well knock this one out of the way, and, and sorry that we're not going to treat it as an individual question, but quite a few were sent in about, you know, what have we seen about Coach Kniemi through two games in the preseason? You know, that the best thing that happened in his first game as a cane in the preseason, he scores a goal. Uh, he steps on the ice here at uh, PNC Arena, where we record this podcast and scores, but Then you get to the real season. Things change. He's moved out to the wing. I mean, everybody wants a guy like that to come in and score two goals a game, and everything works out peachy. You know, he's learning a new system. (laughs) He is playing the wing, which is something he didn't do too much in Montreal. So, what's your read on the first two games, and when do you think the, the player that was drafted third overall in 2018, that the Canes believe that he can be, that you saw some flashes of in Montreal, when do you when do you say, okay, this has been enough games, this is what we've needed to see, not see out of him? Because I'm I'm going to say two games is not enough for anybody to even think about saying, well, what of, or what if, or how come? It's two games. Yes, it is only two
1: games, and uh, I apologize. Bonjour, salut to all our brand new French-Canadian fans who listen to the podcast, thanks to bon the S. Perry deal. Bon Bonsoir. Yeah. Um, but... I agree with you, new system, new team, new life. And from what I've seen from his game, the word I'm going to use is hesitant. I think this young man needs to know that he's good and find that confidence and find a connection, again, with whoever he can find that connection with in chemistry on the ice. But I think that goes back to the situation he comes from, how far his confidence had fallen off before getting here. And the sooner he can come back to that and play with that kind of confident nature, skating, passing, shooting the puck. And again, when he scored that first exhibition, I was like, that is perfect. This young man, that is exactly what he needed. And again, I completely agree with you. In two games, I'm not going to put this guy anywhere, but back on one of my top lines because his skill is there. And now, if you ask Montreal, one of the knocks on him was, yes, his skill was there, but it wasn't there every single night. And I think that is something he will learn from Rod Brennamore and Jeff Daniels and the rest of the guys on this team of that daily push to be that type of player.
0: All right, this might be a simple question here, but I don't know if there's a simple answer. Why is it for some players or when you're adjusting to a new team, you always hear, especially in hockey, if you think that's a problem, you can't think on the ice, you just have to play. So how hard is it? when you're learning new systems, to stop thinking and just let that skill, your instincts, take over. And I've got to think, you had a great line uh, the last podcast. You stepped on the ice, you had Ron Francis and Sammy Cap, and went, I just got to get a piece of something, and we're getting points tonight.
1: Yeah, no thinking when you're on the ice with those type of players. The same as yes, Perry, I mean, he's playing in the top six with elite-level players. Just get his feet moving, skate. And you mentioned about thinking. It's not that you don't have to think. But when you're slowing your thought process down and questioning, am I in the right spot? Should I be over there? It's too late. The game is far too fast, and now the other team's either by you or you're making mistakes. You have to be aggressive and go with your first thought. If it's wrong, the coaches will adjust you when you get back to the bench. But you cannot sit there and think about where you're going to go. Am I going to shoot it? And especially as a shooter. And it showed on his first goal. He did not hesitate one second. That was on his stick and in the top corner before the goal even had a chance. And those are the things, as I go back to my rookie days, was what Paul Maurice told me. Don't think, shoot. Like, you have that level of a shot, yes, Perry Kokaniemi, to shoot pucks or make those passes. But again, as an offensive player, I know when you get into streaky situations, he's yeah. one of those guys that will, you'll see him catch fire for four or five, then it'll go away. But, again, he's still young. That's the learning process he has to have. All
0: right. And, again, like you mentioned, the, in the way this game is played today, if you're thinking, should I be here and I'm there, the play's already passed you, and you've got to catch up. Now, uh, at practice, he was on a line with Sebastian Ajo and Tevo Teravainen. As you know, lines today, you can go into a, a game with a line, and you know, halfway through the first period, you're on a different one. That's the way that the game is. But do you think that there might be a little bit more of a comfort level and if you're Rod Brindamore, saying, okay, let's see what he's going to be like if we put him with two other Finns. You know, they all came up in the same system together. Maybe it eases things, and maybe he can talk in Finnish about where to be and, and what to do instead of trying to, you know, now I've got to, let me see. i got to be here. I, do I shoot this? And now I've got to translate my thoughts from Finnish to English to talk to Vincent Trocek.
1: Yeah. I mean, all those things factor in. I'm not sure if the Finnish national team called Rod and asked if he could do a tryout like this for the Olympics potentially in February, um, which I highly doubt. You're going to go with no. But I do agree with how this coaching staff looks at this young man. They're like, okay, do we now try this? And again, you know the conversation has gone around because two wins, yes. Super excited, super happy about the play. Not quite yet from the head coach. Yeah. So, in their conversations, they say, hey, what if we put all the fins together? Does it get them all going? Do you all of a sudden have an explosion of offensive chances and goals from a line that you maybe didn't think about in the preseason, but it's still early enough to give it a shot, and you have Svechikov, Trochik, and Natchez. I mean, dynamic skill. Yep. And to me, you'd argue that the third and fourth line have been very good yeah. with Stahl, Niederreiter, and Faust. He, he's contributing and the fourth line doing exactly what you need him to do and get on a score sheet. So finding if the problem I had as a head coach was getting my top two lines going but we're still winning. That's a pretty good problem to have. Because when you do, look out. I mean, these games are going to be explosions of offense and it's just a matter of finding those combinations and I I like these lines like this. Yeah.
0: One one last thing on on Coach Kenami and the the situation. Good thing that he gets this out of the way early. Goes to Montreal just It's like ripping the Band-Aid off. You don't have to build up to it. You just get it done. You go there. Crowd's going to boo or do whatever it is they're going to do. Montreal media is going to ask their questions, whatever. But get it out of the way early. Like, don't have it circled on the calendar like it's this, you know, bad day that's coming up that you don't want to remember. Just get it done. And do you think maybe he can then exhale after that game and things start to slow down a little bit more in the good way on the ice for, for a player like Kotkaniemi? I do, and I think it's
1: every player is different. There are a lot of players who start a season that can come out of the gates gunning. Yep. And Yesperi's in a situation that going through this will be good for him. It'll help him mature. But again, Montreal can't be... The Montreal fan base cannot be upset no. at Jesperi Kokaniemi. What was he supposed to do, say no? Yeah. Here's $6 million contract. Would you like it? No, I'm going to stay here for what they're offering me, which wasn't even close. Yeah. And we're under right. the kid. Yeah, well, he, could, he couldn't turn down the offer sheet once he signed it. So. Right. So yeah. I don't think the fan base can be upset with him. I think it's more of the organizational thing. Yeah. So, um, again, I'm excited to watch it. Obviously, it's always an amazing game when you go in mm-hmm. the Bell Center. The atmosphere, uh, the electricity there. And, you know, the Canes have a very good record and have played very well in those situations throughout. And you know the team's going to rally behind them, keep it light. Um, we saw all week. You know, here at practice, at, at the Wake Competition Center, there was hard work, high energy, yep. but the guys were having fun as they continue to come together and yep. gel as a team.
0: And, and Montreal's struggling right now. You know, and, and look, there are two key pieces who are out of their lineup. Shea Weber, who's on long-term injured reserve, and then Carey Price, who's in the player's assistance program. And again, we wish nothing but the, the best to Carey Price with whatever he is, is going through that he gets back soon. Uh, the NHL... And clearly, the, the Montreal Canadiens with Carey Price, it's a, a thing that we all like to see because you want to see the best in the world apply their craft, especially in, in sport. And, you know, for Weber, just how he gutted through the playoffs last year. Uh, you, don't know what, uh, you don't know when he's going to be back. Um, but if Montreal makes the playoffs, I know we have a point of reference from last year that a player can come back. But I don't know if Shea Weber gets back on the ice this year. You know, next year might be a fingers crossed as well, to at least at the start of the season for the captain of the, the Habs. But this is a game for the Canes that you got 4 days off, you're going into it and you know, this might be the right time to to catch Montreal to get all of the the hoopla the circus out of the way. Which brings me to this question, why in the world do the Canes have 4 days off if they've what? only played two games?
1: We're going to play 60 and 60 days after this one. It's just I mean, these things happen throughout the season. I know. It's just as a player again, and being around the practice facility and, and listening to the media ask the questions because those are the questions we have to ask. As a player, it doesn't really bother you, and I don't think it's going to bother the team going in. The key for Rod and what a coach worries about is the start, right? Because you have those four days to kind of get back into your shell, if you will, and not have that explosive energy coming out of the gates. But again, the things we've looked at and what we're going to continue to talk about this team and learning about things through two games is they have taken another step to me in the mental toughness and how well they bounce back from situations to continue to push mm-hmm. and get right back on track. Something we've seen in the past couple of years, but I think they continue in two games to get better and better
0: at that. Yeah. Uh, look, I know that there's building availability. When we talk about schedules, folks, there is so much more that goes into it than just this team wants to play that team. Uh, there's a, a ton that goes into it, and it's not the old college football thing. We can't schedule in a year. We have to schedule 41 years out. It, it's not that hard, but when the schedule makers look at this, Shane, as of October 19th, heading into tonight's games, there are three teams that have played one game, and there are three teams that have played four games already. And I'm just kind of like, how do you look at this and say, yeah, that's 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 the way that the schedule should balance out right now?
1: Yeah. Well, we had to get Harry in the building.
0: Well, that is true. I mean. That is true.
1: These buildings have other things going on. As you and I tape the podcast and watch the Wolfpack shoot a little hoops. Exactly. At practice. But, again, I don't think it's a big deal. You're going to have these in this season. and
0: Four days off after, you know, two games. Not a bad thing. I, I just, But I just think the way that this season is going to be, you're going to have an All-Star break and an Olympic break. All in one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it. Three weeks to rest. Uh, that's what I'm saying. You're going to have plenty of time to to rest, I guess. I think you just, as a player, didn't you want to get into a rhythm? You do. Now, the other part of this
1: is, is the league, this is a league question we should call Gary, uh, Bettman, that is, yes. and say, is the league maybe trying to get away from Monday, Tuesday games? Right? Early on? Sure. Early in the season, four things really are up for grabs. You know, the Canes have one here next Monday night against a top a top team in the league. Yeah. Right? Our original six. Yeah. Toronto's in town on a Monday night. We're gonna have eighteen thousand in this building. That's a tough night on a Monday with your families coming home from work on a Monday. Mondays and Tuesdays are tough nights. American Hockey League schedule, Wednesdays only and weekends were the only days you played on when I played. So I don't know. Maybe that's something the league's looking at, being like, hey, early on in the season, can we stay away from Monday, Tuesdays? And then get back at the end? Again, it's about
0: generating that revenue and making sure the fans are able to get the games too. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see something like you do early season. It's you play Wednesday through Sunday. I mean, Toronto Rangers on Monday night looked a
1: little empty. Now... Toronto sells all their bottom bowl tickets yeah. to businesses, which I also don't like,
0: but it didn't, really didn't look like there was many people there at all. But the, the one thing that I've learned about that, having been in the as Tripp would like to point out, being in the bowels of the arena. Like <laughs> under underneath the what are they, Rogers Arena? Rogers Song. Is it Scotiabank now? Scotiabank Arena. Maybe. I mean it's only it's like Scotia it's either Scotiabank or Rogers for every arena in Canada except for Canadian Tire in Ottawa. But and un- the keg, but <laughs> <laughs> but underneath, there's a. That's a that's a steakhouse for the, people. It's not the yeah. giant cooler of beer for the for the Canadian fans listening. You got that one right away. Uh, but underneath, it's like where the suites are for a lot of those yeah. seats and all of the.
1: It is such an awkward build. All of the
0: hoi polloi are are in there getting their cocktails and whatnot.
1: I remember walking to the ice the first time ever in Toronto, um, in that arena. Got to go down two levels. And you're walking by all these people that are beside you behind, you know, yeah. the roped off areas. I'm like, what are these people doing down here? And they're coming out, like you said, they're little suites to mm-hmm. get out to the seats that are where they can see the game. Yep. Awkward.
0: It's, yeah. It's un- I've never seen like suites underneath the no. stands, but that's what they have. Yep. And that's fine. Good for them. Moving on. It works for them. Sure. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> they don't have a problem. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, what I want to know, though, is. It's two games. What do we know about the Carolina Hurricanes through two games? Well, number
1: one, I want to go back to their kind of mental toughness. I think they came out and went through a few different things in both games, but continue to bounce back. I think we learned that this team's power play, once clicking, will really roll. Mm -hmm. Andre Svechnikov is ready and rolling. And then to me, you go back to maybe a little bit of depth, right? Yep. Jordan Martinuk on the first game, Jesper Fast. How you doing? Yeah. And then you look on the back end; those three brand new defensemen have settled in to this lineup, and it looks strong. And then we finish things off with Freddie Anderson. A couple of bad breaks in game one. I mean, talk about people ask. talking about a four day break. Everyone asked me after game one, oh, is Freddie okay?" I'm like. Go back and look at the replays of those bounces. What do you want him to do? I thought he made the first save. He would tell you if I just straightened my leg, he had it. Um, Bad bounce off Brady Shea's backside. And then in game two, you heard what the head coach said. Yeah. Lights out. Maybe he hasn't seen one like that since he's been the head coach and gave him that chance to win and really won the game for the Carolina Hurricanes. Freddie Anderson is on, and we know that from the first two games.
0: Yeah, I I have nothing but high marks for what we've seen out of Freddie Anderson. You know, that's why, and again, that's early returns. But if those are the early returns from Freddie Anderson, when people were questioning, you know, why did the Canes make the moves that they did in this offseason with the goaltending? They were looking for, and I still think that they'd love to get the rotation, you know, because and, and, we haven't seen Auntie Ranta play yet. And I think that they would love what they'd. What they've been able to do since Rod Moore has been the head coach, where they get that good rotation, which of they will have one A one B. Oh, definitely, and it's going to be coming up. Shane, like yep. you mentioned, you've got Montreal, Columbus, and then Toronto, so that's three and five, and then you got a back to back with Boston in Chicago, that's coming up as well, and then Arizona. So Antiront is going to get some play. He might get three out of the the next six. You might see that split. Well, I always like to. I mean, I love our fans and
1: I love because they care, and they're invested, sure. and that's why they're asking these questions. I like to send it back with a question. Can you tell me that last year, and again, utmost respect for both those guys, in between the pipes for the Carolina Hurricanes, that it was lights out every single night? What do you care about? All you care about is the two points, right? That's the only thing that matters. The goalie does not have to get a shutout every night. He has to allow you to win the game. Which Frederick Anderson has done in both games. Yep, and the second one he won it. James Reimer's numbers last year, not the best. Nope. But what did he do? He made the save when it needed to happen, and he won. That's the only thing that matters, ladies and gentlemen. So, let's not start digging on Freddie. He's two and zero, headed to Montreal.
0: I mean, it's and again, it's so early. It's it it truly is. I know there were preseason games, but. Preseason, Shane, as you know, not the same pace. Not even close. And it's not the regular season. And it's not the, it's a grind, but the different grind of the regular season where it becomes far more mentally taxing. So,
1: how many guys crashed into the net in preseason? You would see the the guys trying to make the team. Correct. Yeah. But in those first two games, Freddie might have got ran into four or five times. Yeah. And now it's
0: a four car pileup every game. <laughs> Correct. On every shot. And now he's got the pace down of like, oh, here we go. Right. So, but I, I I do want to see when Auntie Ranta gets in. We'll get, I think we're going to get a, a better look of, of what this team is going to be like over 82. But through two games, there is an absolute ton to like. And you hit on something key. And you brought it up earlier, too. It's not like the top two lines are filling the net all the way through. You know, Sebastian Ajo has two assists. That's great. He's on an 82 game point pace. I think everybody will take that. Uh, but it's not like he's gone out and was putting up a five-point night. So he, you know he's going to get it rolling. Tavo Teravainen had a wonderful opening night. And then, you know, the, the Nashville game was what it was in the neutral zone, where you've talked about it a billion times. It's where it was won. Uh, the Canes found a way to win it by minimizing mistakes in the neutral zone. But there is one guy in the top six who has gotten off to the hot start, and it is Andrei Svechnikov. He's got three goals through two games. And you can kind of see, somebody asked me what's different with Andre Svechnikov. And I said, if you look back from last year to this year, not that he wasn't smiling last year, but it's a more relaxed smile this year. There's not, not that worry of, you know, I've got to play for this. I've got to do that. I think that the commitment that the team gave him is going to be paid back tenfold by the time we get to year six. And I, I don't want to. Talk too much about that contract, especially once we're, you know, we're two, two, three, four. When we're getting eight games into the season, we're down that road. But man, oh man, his shot, Shane, it's one of the top shots uh, on this team, maybe one of the top in the NHL. How he can just absolutely wrist it with speed and accuracy. And he's not afraid to shoot. And I think that's the other part of it right now. He's figured out all the things he can do. I remember his rookie year. You know, Rod Brendemore kept going. When he figures out what he can do in this league, look out. Well, he's he's starting to figure out the things he can do right now, and it is it is fun to watch. Well, again,
1: to me, the contract was one of the biggest things because I think he was just squeezing it so hard last year, and it was on his mind every single day. And when you get to those points and the puck's not going in that, then you put more pressure on yourself um, to do so. He was able to come in this year relaxed also came in again in elite-level shape. This young man only continues to get stronger. And I think that's, you know, Mike, you mentioned his shot, which I love and is unbelievable each and every night. What I loved about the first game was that he was right back to playing physical and using his strength that he continues to gain every year to get body position to score his first goal, to continue to protect the puck and do smart things with it along the boards. The confidence to try the Svetch in night one. And I think that's what impressed me most about this young man. Yes, the smile's there, and yes, he can shoot it. But he continues to develop into that complete style game, which you mentioned that Rod Brennan when this kid really figures it out, he's not going to be stopped because he is so strong and he is so powerful with everything he does. And I go to night two, and he mentioned it. A huge mistake Yep, that allowed Nashville to score. But now where you go back to, and he's not a rookie, and why, again, why I lean so much on why Rod Brinmore is such a good coach. It's not ripped apart when you get back to the bench. It's like, go get it back. We have full confidence you to do it. And what does he do? He does that. Yep. And that, again, you look back at maturity from Andre, where that mistake doesn't bury him into a hole of like where he gets to the bench and the head is down. He gets to the bench and goes, put me back out. I want to go back now. And that is another step. Again, we're far from the end of Andrei Svechnikov yet. I mean, we are just tasting and seeing what this young man can do. This is the
0: appetizer course. I mean,
1: we are on first course. Think about when we get down to dessert and what we'll be talking about. But again, the first two games, elite from this young man. And energized and ready to continue to help leading
0: this team. And you know what he's starting to remind me of? And I, I want to get back to the point you made about the turnover That led to Nashville's goal and then what happened after. But he's starting to remind me, Shane, of the power forwards, the classic power forwards that you played against. I'm talking about guys like Keith Kachuk, Johnny LeClaire, like guys who were big, physical, could be big and physical, but also ultra skilled. Like they had great shots. They knew when to use them, and they got smarter as their career developed. They got bigger and stronger. That's the other thing. He's only 21. When he, when he gets 24, 25, and he's, he's a horse now, it's like, it's like in wedding crashes. Guy, this guy this guy's like getting hit by a horse. When he lowers that shoulder, Shane, not only can he just throw a defender off, he can fly right by him. I mean, he is it, – it's all there, and you can see it coming together. And what I loved about the turnover and uh, the return – after the the turnover, I shouldn't say I loved anything about the turnover. I didn't love anything about it. But how many times do young players make that mistake and it's head down? Oh man, sorry guys, I cost the team. I didn't mean to. Uh, I mean, I didn't want to go. Back, I didn't want to go back
1: to the bench. Yeah, it, but
0: it's it's you get in that situation of oh, uh, don't put. I don't want to make another mistake. He goes right back out there and wants to win the game. And then what does he do? He goes out there. Two things about the play. Brett Pesci's flip, which, you know, I, I love that. I wish I had the short game that Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin have from their own end where they just chip it out. I could have used that in the course the other day. Mine wasn't even close to that good. But, I mean, they're right on. To Marty Natchez, who settles it down. It, it bounces off of, I think, uh, Alexander Carrier. It bounces off of him. But Natchez settles it down. Underrated pass to Svetchnikov, who does not diddle around with it. Let her fly. And... He wanted to be back out there and make those plays. And, again, it goes back to the head coach. Get back out there and win the game. Don't worry. That's in the past. And I'm going to give folks a, a thing to live by. It's the rule of Italian driving, and it's actually the rule of Italian racing. You throw off the rearview mirror because what's behind you does not matter. Mm. It's just what's in front of you.
1: It, I mean, that again, I completely agree. That is what impresses me most about him this year. Not only his focus and how relaxed he is, but that mindset. We all knew he could shoot it. We all knew how powerful he was. But that, that, to me, in these first two games is what completely impresses me about Andre's game and what level he is at now and moving forward. You mentioned some of these power forwards. guy like Michael Renberg. Do we go even as far? Again, no one looked at this guy as powerful, but he was powerful. Yarmar Yarger was one of the strongest guys in the league and could throw guys off him and drop shoulders and make moves like no one else and had hands that could beat anybody. He was a strong guy. Do we take it to that level? And then you go to buy a guy who shoots. I mean, Alex Ovechkin has one of the best starts in the season as well for the Capitals. Andre can shoot it like Ovi. Maybe not the slap shot because you don't see Andre take the slap shot as much. But just the power he plays with reminds me of Ovechkin. And I think, to me, I think Andre has more of a dynamic game than Ovechkin at this
0: point. Oh, I, I don't disagree. And that's not a slight of no. Alex Ovechkin. I think that one of the underrated parts of Andre Sveshnikov's game, and it's funny because like when you look back at what he did last year, you know, because he didn't score 30 goals, people were like, oh, what was wrong with Andre Sveshnikov? But the assists were mm-hmm. coming last year, he's got that part to his game. Like, he, he has that vision on the ice to find open players. And he is, yeah, he's got that great a shot, but he's also knowing that if they think I have this great a shot and they're going to give this attention to me, I can make that pass across the seam or drop it back to the defenseman who's, who's jumping into the play. Well, and we know how good Tabo
1: Teravine and Sebastian are, Ajo are together. And you mentioned the elite-level pass of Marty Natchez to Andre in Nashville the other night. If these two young men have the chemistry of Ajo and Teravainen, yep. I mean, with a guy who's as confident, and once he gets rolling, as Vincent Trochik down the middle? I mean, boy, oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, this team could go on a roll and really and really stun some people out of the gates. And we know how important. You're not going to win or lose this season in the first 10 games, but you can really set yourself up out of the gates.
0: I've always subscribed to this theory and you can, I'll throw this one at you then. If
1: you like it, you can take it. If you don't send it right
0: back, you can't win the Stanley cup in October or you can't make the playoffs in October, but you can sure knock yourself out of the playoffs in October. 100%.
1: 100%. And The one team, as we all know, that faces this more than any team this entire season, and the Canes took them out night one, is the New York Islanders. To go on the road for 13 straight. Now, they're not staying out for 13 straight. They're going home and getting some rest. But that is a mountain that if you don't get halfway up it when you get back home,
0: you're in big trouble. There's also something else that I wanted to throw at you about that, and we'll keep it in the same if you... Like it, you can keep it. Oh, so I'm taking that one, by the way. Thank you. And it is, uh, wait. Thank you. It is true that for me, you dig that hole. How many times, Shane, you were part of it here in Carolina? Oh, you go away for the fair and you know, you come back and a hard start in October. Now you're playing catch up. You know, the, it's funny because you don't notice it until you get to March. But those points that you didn't get in October, they come back to haunt you because now you have to get them in March and April where you can build that cushion. So there's eight games in this month. Canes already have four out of four. So eight games are 16 total. I'm going to throw something out there that I think is even uh, for the the most rose-colored glass fan in the world, a little high here. Canes will have a minimum of 14 points by the end of October. I'm talking like that means a 7-1 and one record. So they're 2-0 and oh already. They have to go... Five and one in the last six games here in October, looking at our schedule and looking at the opponents,
1: I will take it. I like it. I mean, again, another reason why I love I love watching him, I love listening to him. And, you know, I sat with Rod on the plane when we played, and and as focused he is, and I wish I had a little bit more, because he's so calm and he has expectations, but he doesn't let his emotions get too far ahead of himself. I kind of do Because I think this team Can do exactly what you just said And start out 7-1 and one In the month of October um, And do it in all the right ways and, and get that momentum they need Before November Because when you look at November She's a beast With some heavy travel Yeah Um the, the Canes will need to You know, be ready for Which they will But again, a great start As you mentioned, 7-1 and
0: one Will give themselves that kind of cushion So with all of that being put out there, uh, we have a bunch of questions that fans want to have answered. Yes, we will answer them. All right, and some of them we've kind of touched over, down. and and more we will uh, probably we've already answered. So we'll go from it. But let's let's go back to where we started. Uh, some people were asking about yes, Barry, Coach Kaniemi, and the thought here is how many games do you think it will take, Coach Kaniemi? To adjust to the Canes system. Says the word system. Mm -hmm. uh, You can go system, or you can just be like adjust and just be a hockey player. Not worry about where he was and and what he's doing now and how he got here. I give him four.
1: So until the buzzer goes in Columbus, I'm going to give a little leniency to the young man where he's settling and he's figuring out the wing position. With some new linemen and a new organization, I think he will play very well in Montreal. I think he will. Columbus very tough place to play, um, and getting used to these buildings. Another part is, you know, coming into the system and different travel, all those kind of things, um, getting used to as well. But I think after those four games, I think we see him at his best coming back home.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. In fact, I. If if you ask me what my answer is, what Shane Willis just said, that's it. When when everything gets settled down, and plus you know the other thing too, you're, you're adjusting from Montreal to Carolina. You got to move. Like there's there's more than just the hockey that, that's involved in it. I think we take that for granted too. That you know these guys are just robots. Shane, you're just a robot, right? You just show up, you play the game. That's and when easy. It's over, we shut you off. And that's nothing that. else matters. Yeah, nothing else gets in there. Uh, this one comes in from. Uh, Liam Carly, who has impressed you guys the most compared to last year in these first two games? Jesper Faust has looked awesome so far this year. That seems to be a very leading question in tweet yeah. at us. Are you baiting us? By the way, there are a ton of people who have uh, who have asked about Jesper Faust, So Liam will get the credit, but we thank everybody. Jesper Faust, on pace to score 82 goals. He's got it. <laughs> we'll goal. take it, Jesper. No pressure. <laughs> He's got a goal in each game. He he was asked about that yesterday, and he goes, I don't know if that's going to continue.
1: I mean, the boys are going to have to go go go-karting every month. (laughs) If Quickie keeps scoring, we're back to the racetrack, everybody, because that really got him rolling. I think the victory at the racetrack gave him the confidence to be scoring in these first two games.
0: Oh, without a doubt. There's no doubt about it. And uh, if you were wondering uh, who gave him that nickname, Uh, former NHL player. Jason Krog gave him that nickname. Quickie. When he was uh, they played together in Sweden. Oh. So he's had that since he was in Sweden. Because he goes, yeah, there were some North American guys in the locker room. And they looked and they're like, oh, we got to give you a nickname. Quickie. <laughs> and there it is. So uh, that's something we could get into. Why does every Canadian have to throw an I, E, or a Y on an end of a name in hockey? It's just like putting an extra U in to words. <laughs> Humor. <laughs> yeah. Humor
1: color color
0: <laughs> do you know how many spelling tests i failed growing up close to canada watching canadian tv in yeah. their version of uh, wheel of fortune which was definition but there was no wheel you just shouted out letters and they'd be like i'd take the Z. I don't even know what that was well it,
1: and also you said add an ie most hockey players in quickie we probably just put a y on it because we're you know not sharp enough to go ie <laughs> we're just like we put a y on it um but I mean, it doesn't even sound right. Just call him Quick. No, it's not can't fun. Quick. Yeah, he's quickie. Well, he's, I love it.
0: Fast. You go know, that. That's but. But I do like him. He's played very well. Yeah. And uh, one of the questions was, why do you think he's settled in now? I actually talked to him a little bit yesterday and said, hey, how much of it just being a normal year to be with the team is kind of? And he goes, oh, absolutely. You know, he was around the team last year. Remember everything that happened last year. He was the only new addition. To the Carolina Hurricanes roster last year, coming out of camp and what, you know their free agent signing, their splash was yes for Fost. Moves in a pandemic, moves to a new team, no normal training camp. Then you get COVID early on, and everything that comes with it. You know he had a didn't have the easiest transition to a new team. Well, now he knows the players. He's been here. He's had a normal camp. This is the guy who. You know, people absolutely loved in New York why he was voted. You know, the player's player, eight years in a row, and that line of Stahl, Niederreiter, and and Fost, pretty darn good line, very good.
1: So. I think everyone forget. I mean, I even forget until you said the word pandemic again. I forgot about this as a player. Remember, everyone, oh yeah, that an off year last year. There was no one in this building during games. It was weird. I remember turning around at the desk one night where I could put my feet up on a countertop and watch a hockey game. It was like I had my own franchise and I brought in a team to play them. There was nobody here. And I can't imagine as a player how hard that was. To get energized and fired up night after night. Yes, they're professionals and they did do a great job. But that start of the season had to be horrible. I've never straight up asked. I might ask a guy. And just... Let's tell me the honest truth. How bad was it? Because it couldn't have been any fun. I mean, just terrible. So I like Jesper Foss. Another guy I do like, and I thought he's played very well in the first two, is Tony D'Angelo. I think he's done a very good job, not only five on five, but coming in and being a key part of the power play and the chances they've gotten um, to really get off to a good start for himself in this situation and what this team needs him to do. So,
0: there you have it. Quickie, well done. and Tony D. Ethan Bear for me. Very good. Ethan Bear. Uh, he said it, in fact, he said it the other night in the Nashville game. He loves playing here because you don't have to worry about the system. You just have to play. There's not a lot of thinking. It's just doing what you can. And uh, I know that you watch a lot of hockey. So, I know that you watched a lot of Oiler games, too. You can kind of pick up that Ethan Bear played with Connor McDavid and Leon Drysidel because that puck gets on his stick. His head is up, looking for a guy racing out of the zone. He can find the holes. I've loved his vision. Yes, and and again, as a young
1: guy who has that ability, and why I think it is such another great trade by Don Waddell, um, and bringing this young man in at 24 years of age. To just give yourself more dynamic offense on the defensive side. He doesn't get beat. He quietly goes about his business out there. Fits in perfectly with this group. Um, just another great addition. I agree with you. He's played very
0: well in these first two games. So, we've got another question to get into. Uh, this one from TH underscore iso iso Trying to clearly understand Seth Jarvis's situation. Because I've heard different things. If he plays the required number of games, is he permanently on the roster? Or is there a chance he still may have to go back to Portland in junior? Thanks. Keep up the great work. No, thank you for the question. Now, there's this question where if you are not 20 years old and you're a junior player, and one of the things that is keeping Seth Jarvis from being able to play in Chicago is his birthday, He's February 1st, I believe, so he's a late birthday for the hockey schedule. I know early in the calendar, but late for the hockey schedule. So with that being said, if he plays nine games, the Canes have a decision to make, which is do you keep him here all year or do you return him to Portland? Uh, There is one thing you can do. You can play a player past 10 games, but if you decide to send him down, he has to go back to junior and complete the junior season there. And then you burn a year of his entry-level contract, yeah, which you don't want to do. You can Google this, and I know that there's a lot of ins and outs and strands uh, that come into this. But we've kind of touched on this before, Shane, especially the Seth Jarvis situation where you said it might not be the worst thing in the world for him to go back to Portland and be the captain, be the leader of the team, have a monster season. Yeah, it's not, I
1: mean, it's not the best. It's not the worst because you know uh, I haven't looked back at, at the Western Hockey League schedule yet or to see – what's going on there. But you know, if Portland is not very good, then no different than the national hockey league, they will be able to trade Seth Jarvis to a contender for a huge return. Yeah. And build their team. I was a part of one of these trades back when I was 19. Um, and they run so similar to national hockey league, but I understand the rule. It's a tough rule because Seth Jarvis is an elite level player. Um, and is right there on the cusp of playing the National Hockey League. So it is it is tough for him, but I understand why the two leagues have the rule in place to continue to help the junior leagues. I mean, they have eight, 10,000-seat arenas that they have mm-hmm. to fill, and elite-level pay- players fill those arenas like Seth Jarvis. So it's a tough situation, but you explained the rule very well. Um, and we'll see if there's a point that Rod Brennamore thinks, I'm going to get this kid in a game. Or if it's just the time duration of him staying here and continue to learn, work, train with the
0: pros. So again, it's nine games, then you have to make the decision and where he's gonna go. So we'll at the end him.
1: of the end of the month. Yeah.
0: We'll see we'll see him playing a game in the NHL this year. That's that's the feeling. And there's a couple of places that you can make this happen. Might make it happen on the road, on this trip. Uh, Arizona might be a, a good fit on Halloween. Toronto? I don't know if you would put him in against Toronto. But. I just think because their style. Uh, no, it's it's. I'm sure. Uh, I get what you're saying, but you might want a little bit more of a Chicago, a veteran group. Chicago might be a, a fit uh, to put him out and, and see where he is. Like you say, the Canes basically, I look at it this way, the Canes basically have this month to keep Seth Jarvis here. I'm looking at it as, as the month, not the nine games or yep. you know, how long he's going to be with this. You give him a month of traveling with an NHL team, practicing with an NHL team, it's kind of invaluable experience for somebody who is 19 years old and has already shown that he's going to fit into the National Hockey League when it is time for him to be here on a full-time basis. So that's where he stands. Uh, more Twitter questions to get to, Shane, if you are ready for I'm this. I'm ready. Send them over. All right. So... After seeing both Svetch and Trevor Zegers attempting it, who gets the next lacrosse goal? Is it Svetch or someone else in the league in over-under on how many lacrosse goals we see this season league-wide? That is from Silas Beers. (laughs) That sounds like, that would be like, ah,
1: old Silas Beers. Silas. It's a crazy move. And I love that these other players are going after it now because it can work. Mm Mm-hmm. And it can be effective. I love watching when I'm at the local rinks, the youth kids pull it off. They pull it off almost easier than some of these NHL guys. I don't know if it's easier as a young man closer to the ice, but I need to ask Svetch if he was easier when he was younger. I can't even pick the thing up on my stick unless I'm using my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, will we see it this year? Yes. Who will be the first one to do it? Mm. I mean, I'll just go with Svetch because I don't know how many other guys can do it. Um, and over under...
0: Should we go over under? I think the over under's got to be two. Yeah, I'd say three, and I'd go under. Yeah, I think we'll that's see why I kind of put it at two. I think we'll see. I think we'll see at least one. I think we'll see two. I think we're seeing more guys trying it. That's why. We um, also are seeing guys figure out how to defend it. Well, that's the other key. But you also, you can defend it when you know a guy can do it. So, Trevor Zegres, good for you for trying it now guys know that you can do it. You know, you can go behind the net and pick it up. So they're going to yeah. watch for you when yeah. you do that. Just that, like, that is now in their scouting report of, like, watch out, Zegers can do the yeah. lacrosse. Just like Svechnikov, every scouting report on Andrei Svechnikov is, if he goes behind the net, he's going to try to do this. Yes. And that's why what was it was Adam Pellick who got the stick. He yeah. did get the – it forced Svetch to go – Yeah, too quick. Know, too quick with it, but – uh, the skill set on these guys is immense. You're going to see more guys try it, but I, I'm with you. It's a hard move to pull off in this league. And the funny part is I was,
1: again, enjoying the weather in a nice round this week with a uh, guy who sp- spent some time, uh, a little bit of time in the National Hockey League, a lot of time in the minor leagues, Dean Melanson. Very strong, stay-at-home defenseman. Yeah. Used to hate going up against Dean. He, uh, His family lives here. Um his son played for the Junior Canes for years now off at prep school um, as a senior. But we were talking about the We move. We were talking about it. And I said, that would be hard to defend, Dean? He's like, yeah, it's so strange. But he goes, you wouldn't have tried that back when we played. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, because if you scored one, you were getting beat up. And just for trying it, you would have got cross-checked in the throat, I think, coming around the net. Like, older guys and older defensemen wouldn't want you trying that move because it makes them look really bad, number one. So if you scored, it was almost like the guy coming down, the first guy to go between the legs and shoot on a breakaway. You know, are you showboating us right now? We're going to beat you up. So it was funny to hear his perspective of it and how the older school defenseman would have looked at the lacrosse-style goal. (laughs) you sure you come around here? I might break your wrist with the slash you're about to receive coming into the net. A little different time. (laughs) A little
0: different era. But now we enjoy it. Exactly. Uh, This question. Oh, and this is a, if if you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Like a take a question from Cam Tate. The Canes will have 50 plus wins this season. Oh. Well, that's on the heels of mine. The Canes are going to have 14 points through October. 50 wins is a lot. I mean, I I think they're going over 100 points. But 50 wins. Oof. Although that... although if you you say that and if you told yeah. me that the Canes went 52 and 30, I would believe that. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. They're going to (laughs) have 50-plus
1: wins. And I'm about to say I'm going to take it, and then I keep thinking about the Metro Division. But, again, I'm high on this team right now. I'm going to take it as well. Yeah.
0: Hey, it's just 50-plus. Yeah. It could be 50. Just get to 50. I'll take it. And there's something else, Shane, about this team now. In the past, where you were talking about who it might be hard to get to 50 – a three on three overtime, and then that pesky shootout. Oh, that pesky shootout. That was a backbreaker for us back in the day. <laughs> you call that call that an Achilles heel, if that you will. <laughs> yeah. We
1: didn't have enough lotion to take a rid of that bunion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, now there's a stall bunion. Or the uh, goiter it caused. <laughs> oh, Lord. That being said, well, they've lanced it, and away we go. Uh, all the talent they have for three on three. And yeah. then for the shootout, they're going to get more wins if they get to overtime yeah. than they would have. So that's why I don't think that fifty is that unreasonable. No, it's a good number. It's a great. It's a great question. We're gonna take it. the The funny thing is, Canes might get fifty two wins this year. That might not be the best record in hockey.
1: Yeah, Vegas, I mean,
0: Colorado, a good first month seven and one helps you get to fifty. Mike, it does. It absolutely does. So uh, this is a question for you, Shane. A long-time listener, five stars for life. It's Howie Handor. Thank you, Howie. Oh, wait. Thank you. And also... Hi. People thought we lost the sound effects. They're still here. (laughs) Can Shane describe what it's like in between periods? Is it like a process? You change out of your gloves, get a snack, meet as a team, forwards, defense, meeting groups, or is it less formal? Um... A little bit of everything depends on the
1: situation. Um, It is less formal than you think because every guy, no different than when you're getting ready for a game, has their own routine. Some guys like to change their undershirt. Some guys like to dry their gloves. As you see, when the camera gets the canes going off the ice, you see all their gloves being tossed to the trainers to be put on. That is a drying machine. Um, I didn't like my gloves dried. I did like to take my shoulder pads and my jersey and my O-pads, everything off to cool off a little bit. Some guys leave all their equipment on and just take off their helmet and sit there and um, have a Gatorade. Some guys do like to have a snack. Again, it depends on the situation. If it's a tight game and, say, the power play hasn't been clicking, you know, Jeff Daniels may grab the power play unit and say, come here real quick. You know, they got the iPads. They have quick answers now to their questions inside the room. So it is a little less formal. If they do have a a meeting where the coach is going to come in and say something, he usually comes in with about five minutes left on the clock. So a 15-minute intermission, you have 10 minutes to do what you need to do. Then at the five-minute mark, you're usually expected to have all your stuff on and prepared for a coach message coming into the room before heading out, which is usually around the two-minute mark on the clock when teams kind of walk back out to the ice. But less formal than you think, guys really just sticking with their routine. Of what they
0: like to do in between periods. All right, so the answer is yes, everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. You never know what's going to happen in there. Yeah, like you say, in a, in a tight game, you know, I can see how in the playoffs there is because I, I think everybody gets the idea that it's like football. You know, that you make all these halftime adjustments. No, uh, it's you, you know what the plan is. Maybe you go over some video. Maybe there's something that the coach is seen in the I course mean, of a in period. a bad
1: game. It could get serious. I mean, a garbage can could get punted across the room. Stick broken a stern message,
0: and then the room just stays kind of quiet the rest yeah. of the intermission. But those things happen as well. There you have it. Uh, we're going to get a two-for-one here because it involves Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, one is a, a like-it-send-it. <laughs> I, I like-it-send-it. They just like to ad-lib off of uh-huh. it, and that's fine. Uh, Svechnikov will score 45 goals. But then Jakubi Mugatu, who, if you might remember, he was the bad guy in Zoolander. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was Will Ferrell's character in Zoolander. Oh, I didn't remember his name. Well, now you know. Is Svech going to score 123 goals this season based on his current pace?
1: I'm going to send it back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 40? How about 40? I love
1: Andre fetch the cop, but I'm going to send it back.
0: All right, so sorry, Mr. Mugatu. Uh, we'll send that back, but 45, yay or nay? Uh, every, <sighs> it's so hard to score goals in this is, league right
1: now. And again, you're going to... Ride the wave as long as you can as a goal scorer. Get the streak going. Um, Where I do like, and we talked about early in the season, over 35 for Andre. Mm -hmm. And now you look at over 40. The one thing, again, when we go back to looking at, how do you know these guys are maturing and improving the right way? Game one. Andre's second goal of the game was a what? Empty netter. Correct. Was Andre on the ice last season during empty net opportunities?
0: Yeah, you, got a, you got a couple.
1: But I feel this year, because of where he's at, more and more. I'm Man, with you. I don't think I scored
0: an empty net in my whole career. Come on. I really don't. You weren't a defensive ace out there <laughs> protecting the one-goal lead with a yawning cage at that, the other
1: end. That's a negative, Ghost Rider. Um, can,
0: can we share an outtake from an interview <laughs> that you uh, conducted today with Kane's everyone, defensive coach, Tim Gleason?
1: Everyone will see it, because Tim really, I mean... I appreciated it when he, we were talking about the penalty kill. And he said, well, you know, when you used to penalty kill and we had to do this. And I said, honestly, Tim, I never was tossed over the boards on a PK by Paul Maurice. I love Paul Maurice. utmost respect. Gave me a shot in this league. But the PK was not my area. Wasn't it? <laughs> when you're like, I'll see you guys in two minutes. Yeah, have fun out there. <laughs> don't... It... Ooh, that looked like it hurt when you got hit with that shot. <laughs> you know when you don't get hit by shots, Mike? On the power play. <laughs> again, I
0: did look it up. You are credited with a block shot in your uh, National Hockey
1: League career. you know who it was? If it was the same game. Because I remember this to the day. Al McInnes hit me in the shin pad. Did oh, you have in a leg to building. talk about it? It hit the bottom just above my ankle, thankfully. But I swear it would have broke my ankle if it hit my
0: skate. For people who don't know, Al McInnes has one of the hardest shots in the history of this league. Be thankful you were using those wooden sticks back then. I mean, when I got to the bench,
1: I was like, I'm pretty sure I looked where it was. I said that was closer. Whatever I? I said, Al MacInnis just hit me in the shin. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't get out of the way.
0: <laughs> well yeah, done. I can't believe that's credited in there. That's uh, good. Yeah, I want to. I want to I wanna double check it because I did look. And now maybe now I'm looking for the page and I can't find it. I should have bookmarked it. Yeah. No one's gonna believe you now. Email. Everyone's looking. I will find it.
1: One these. block shot, and I'm still not in the Hall of Fame? I don't get it. <laughs> all these, I don't get it, Mike.
0: There's all these advanced metrics. I promise you it's out there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I just was looking for it. Other standard measurements for Shane Willis. All right. It's now, it's now lost. That's to the, all right. I believe you. Ether. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to make this up. <laughs> <laughs> you did get one in your career. So, all right. Well, I'll, I'll have to dig into the uh, NHL archives okay. for this one. All right, here's Ross, so we know it's more than one question coming for us. Uh, One for you, one for me, and then one that we uh, get to enjoy together. Question for you, Shane. Yep. How does a forward interpret line changes made during a game? Mm. (laughs) Which way am
1: I moving, Ross? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Let's just put it this way. If I start on a line with Ron Francis and I ended up on a line with... Darren Langdon, and Chris Dingman. I'd be in a frustrated mood after the game. But if I started with Chris and Darren, who I love the most because they used to protect me, and ended up with Ron Francis, I'd be ecstatic and skating much faster by the end of the game. So, now, the game is now different, though. Because I can tell you what. Yes, playing alongside Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Troche, that'd be awesome, Svetch. But I would... Love to jump on the ice with Derek Stepan and Jordan Martinook, Right? Why I mean, the you? player said the other day, in in the article on canes.com, we don't have four lines. Nope. We have an A, B, C, and D. One A, one B, one C, one D. And I believe that. And teams, again, going back to what I said before, we weren't built that way. Teams weren't built that way 10 years ago. You didn't have that balance. But I believe this team does have balance, and it's all about chemistry of who you play the best with. Yes, some lines do get more action, and you want to be on the power play to get more ice time. But I believe in a five-on-five game, Rod's balance through his lines is amazing. But you can't take it either way do you- if you're playing with Sebastian yeah. and Table Taravina and you move that you may not be in the good books right now. Yeah. And it's just more of a, you can't look at it as a player of like, oh, coach doesn't like me. I'm not playing good. It should spark you. Be like, I'm not doing it right. I got yep. to get back to a better situation. And if you look at it like that, there's better chance you do find that.
0: Or you look at it during the flow of the game. Shane, you guys know as players, that's not right tonight. It's not, it's not where it should be. And if you're a coach, you just can't keep throwing the same guys over the boards expecting it to magically get better that you'll all figure it out. So what? there's two things that coaches can do in hockey if the, the forward lines aren't going, if you aren't getting what you want and what it needs to look like. One is you plaster somebody to the bench, you know, a couple of lines, which that used to be the old way. We're just going to roll these two two lines and go from there.
1: Which doesn't work very often.
0: Or you mix up the line combinations. And again, so many people... And I kind of blame us growing up with EA Sports. Great game, the NHLs. But line one, line two, line three. You know, checking line like good, that for. There's a reason we t- ch- turned
1: off line changes, Mike. <laughs> no put, line changes in my game. Played best
0: five on five. <laughs> yes. So, but what I'm what I'm driving at for this is it introduced millions of fans to hockey, and everybody thinks that coaches look at lines. In trios, and it's not that, and it really hasn't been that for a while. Scotty Bowman is the the first one who really started it. It's duos, yeah. It's Shane Willis playing alongside Bates Pataglia. I I Mm. like that duo. You know, I like it. Doesn't it doesn't have to be a a center winger? It could be two wingers. Two wingers, like I. These two wingers play well off of each other, or you know, this center and that winger plays better with. And then you can you can add. Why does Jordan Martinook? Getting moved up onto a line with Sebastian Aho and Tevo Teravainen makes sense because Sebastian Aho was asked about it. Because Jordan Martinuk goes in and does the dirty the dirty work in the corner. He gets in front of the net. He's the energy guy. He gives room to the other two, and they can create what they need to. But Jordan Martinuk is the guy when Aho or Sveshnikov or Aho and Teravainen flip the puck in the corner. Jordan Martinuk goes after and gets the puck. Correct. So that's why you see those things to get. You know, to get it going a little bit, to give a spark to whatever. You keep that duo, and then that third guy, he knows, hey, I'm up here. All right. I'm going to go get the puck, or I'm going to go hit somebody, or I'm going to go stand in front of the net and make those changes. So there's one for uh, Ross. For Ross. Uh, for me, how good was it to be in Nashville calling that game? Amazing. It's just, what? It's so much better to <laughs> call a game in person. Man,
1: just telling you that. I used to love sitting in PNC last year while the team was on the road. I'd be down on the Buffalo Brothers deck with Abby at the desk and I could hear Mike Maniscalco's voice (laughs) echoing through PNC Arena Uh, and then be frustrated because the TV would mess up or something would happen (laughs) and you'd hear some other language come out during commercial break. (laughs) I'd
0: hit the cough button. I made sure the mics weren't live. (laughs) It was awesome to hear you, though, buddy. Thanks, man. It's Great a, job again. Oh, you are far too kind. Uh, but I will, if it's a like and keep it, I will definitely keep it. Uh, and this one for both of us, which is a take it, send it. Oh, KK, that is, it's code Kaniemi, tallies at least two points versus Montreal on Thursday. Mm. Mm. It's two points, so it's not two goals. It can be one and one, yeah. two assists. I am, and we have to give...
1: Who sent that tweet? That would be Ross. Oh, Ross! But he put LL, right?
0: No, there was oh, that another. was someone I mean, else. We have uh, that was Mister Moustache who Mister Moustache said, said what, have, "What have you seen from LL?" Oh, LL, uh, LL Cool J. That way to call him out Underrated there. Underrated. Sorry, Ross. By the way. you're correct.
1: I'm going to take it, Ross. One, I think he's going to be really fired up to play Montreal. Yep. Two, I like again. It, it may not start this way exactly, but the finished trio could really find some chemistry and get rolling. I agree. I'm going to take it.
0: I agree. I, I hope he does.
1: I hope it would be awesome
0: for the young guy. I think. And uh, one more from Paul Lawson. Paul, what's up my friend? He's got a question for us. What are y'all and he spelled y'all correctly. Uh Paul Lawson by the way lives in Scotland. Paul Lawson played in the alumni game. Paul Lawson's on his ties. I still and, have mine.
1: And good liquor.
0: Oh, well, yes. <laughs> uh, what do you think about a potential Scottish Caniac sighting in Raleigh in 2022? I'm all for it. Why has that it been so terrible, long? That's a terrible spot <laughs> I was going to try and remember. follow it up, but yeah, mine no, would have been worse. No, I'm out. No, we're going to leave that there. I mean, about, what is your kill too tight? Where have you been? By the way, I think I uh, have credited Shane Willis, a different Shane Willis where they blocked shot because it's 2007. That's not me. Yeah, I know it's not you. <laughs> No, so that could be the Shane Willis who blocked a shot. That's not me. Sorry, Shane.
1: Over. No wonder I didn't get in the hall. It was a time of two-way I don't think players. They kept my that friend. stat back then.
0: They had to have had to get in front of one. They had to. Have. I mean, I didn't flamingo everything. <laughs> No Ole? No. Ole. <laughs> That's going to hurt. I'm going to get out of the way. I love Flamingo. That's a great line for it. Oh, what's the stork
1: doing over there? You ever see a player lift his foot? It's called the Flamingo. <laughs>
0: Good to know. Uh, oh, Why? Yeah. I, I cannot remember his name. I had it last week because our friend Emil Hartman was uh, talking about, hey, did you see that video that I showed you of the guy stuffing his pads with, like, pillows and newspapers? Uh, played for the Montreal Canadiens for a million years. Oh, Craig Ludwig. Craig Ludwig. <laughs> <And> <laughs> In the shin Dallas pads. Stars, his shin pads. <laughs> it's,
1: it, the picture he sent me, it didn't even look like a shin pad was attached to his leg. It was just kind of hanging there.
0: That's how big it was. <laughs> so Craig Ludwig, I, they had to have kept shots because everybody talked about how Craig Ludwig blocked every shot at, that was ever thrown his way. Yeah. Well, Paul, back to, Paul needs to get over here. Well, there, there's been a reason why he hasn't been able to come over here for at least 18 months. Fans are back. Well, I know. <laughs> He's <laughs> late. <laughs> He played a game at home. International travel. <laughs> little, little. We'd love to see it, my friend. We would. Absolutely. Make it happen. And I promise I won't ever do another <laughs> Scottish imitation ever again. <laughs> it's not Scottish, it's crap. That's the closest I can get for you. Uh-huh. All right. I think that's a good place to leave that terrible <laughs> accent effort, but a great know, question. For, that's probably worse than our French. <laughs> no, my French is actually not too you bad. You better brush it off so you can order some nice solid poutine. I will. I can order myself a ham sandwich up there if I need to. Merci beaucoup. You should go to Harvey's. Bonjour, hi. (laughs) Oh, Harvey's! Get get the frings. You're damn right. (laughs) Why would I just get French fries when I can get French fries and onion rings? Yeah, it's a no brainer. As Harvey's makes your hamburger a beautiful thing. Mm Hmm. Mm Hmm. Sure does. But uh, Montreal, no. There's other places to go and get food. Yes, Uh, much better. I've got to stop this before this guy. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. It's mad that we talk food. He's so happy that you don't talk food, Bill Berniston. Oh, we can. I know we can. Man. Billy, if you've made it this far, don't really? worry. That's it. I need Check to actually,
1: it out. That reminds me. Thanks for reminding me. I have to text Billy. I have a question.
0: All right. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll give you the answer. Yeah, I know he will. That's True. where are professional. That's where we will leave episode 192 of Canes Cast. Shane, anything to add? Overflow. We will talk to you all <laughs> next week. Thank you.